Alright you guys, welcome back everyone. This is our second episode of Table Talk. This is the Dias Cast Podcast. I am Kevin Cork. We again for our Table Talk have with us Diego and Madeline. Uh, Diego, do you want to tell us a little bit about your character? Uh, not that we'll be talking about your character or to your character, but let's talk about your character. Like you mean my care, my, my personal character? Like yeah, my, like uh, how how noble <laughs> you are. Morals, morals and, and, values. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm Diego Strudel. Uh, I'm playing Chisk, uh, uh, Piney Cleric, um, in the Dias Cast podcast. Madeline, tell us about your character. Uh, yes. Uh, my name is Madeline Hunter Smith, and I play Maeve Maldorava. On the Dias Cast podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And who and what is Maeve? Uh, she is a Dampier uh, Celestial Warlock. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, a couple of things. I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, ask the two of you about, because this is brand new, these characters. Uh, you both are experienced D&D players, but you're brand new to the Kobold press. Uh, so I want to talk just quickly about how you're feeling about uh, being a piney, we'll elaborate again for what that is for people who don't know, and also for about Madeline for be, being a dampier. Uh, just just to give you uh, everyone, if this is your first one you're listening to of our series, I mean, really you should just go back and at least <laughs> yeah, listen really to the first right table tech. Yeah, because this is <laughs> we're not going to recap the whole thing. It's been amazing, and they're surviving by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> yeah, we just had to take a break. The tension was too high to keep going. <laughs> we'll start with you, Maddie, because you were you are anxious and raring to go about... Uh, I, I just want to get your... And this is really Kevin just asking what what you are thinking about your Dampier character. I assume you are familiar with Sorceress from past games... Or is sorcerer, new, sorceress, sorcerer, sorceress? Warlock. Neither of those, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll, look, we got there, we got there. <laughs> all right. Yeah, sorcerer, warlock. I don't know. It's all a blur to me. A bunch of nerds. Eh? <laughs> yeah. So this is interesting because, like, I've actually never played a straight spellcaster before. Um, mm. I usually go for, like, um rogues fighters barbarian barbarian's my favorite class um so this like actually using spells and stuff as my core combat mechanic and core roleplay mechanic is really a fun challenge especially with the warlock then because you really are you have to be focused oh yeah for sure you have to know what you're gonna use your two spell slots on or whatever <laughs> right like but I think I, I like that. I like the the rules of Warlock. It doesn't feel like as overwhelming to me as like a wizard might. Um, but Maeve, I, I really, I'm really, I'm really digging her. Um, I think she's got a lot of, of parts of me in her, which makes her really easy to play. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question at all, but. It's all great. There's no right or wrong. The Dampier aspect, the race itself, uh, yeah. The idea of being the half half vampire. Oh, it's so cool. I think that speaks a lot to, like, identity crises that, like, everybody goes through. 
Um, especially being a teenager. Like that that oh, part man. of your life is just all figuring out who you are. And what's really interesting about the Dampier race is like they have two two parts of two worlds kind of put into one being, which makes them doubly complex. I don't know. I really I'm really liking it. It does bring up like questions for me, like how fast like does she grow up like what is what is dampier puberty like, <laughs> like <laughs> what does that look like and then what kinds of wow yeah you're right well like I, it's something i thought about i'm like does that uh, how do, how is she doing her life as a 16 year old and and like i don't know how how are people how do people respond to Dampier, do people think they're like abominations or do they just consider them another race in the world? Like all of that stuff is very yeah. interesting to me. And I'm excited to find out more about it I, as we play. I found that really interesting when we showed up to this, to uh, the seat of Mavros and like suddenly <clears throat> we met a Dampier and like there are all these like different races that like a, a, a panda bear. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a piney, and suddenly there's like a few other dampier in the city, and like Mm -hmm. it's super chill. There's even a a, a blood bar in the town. But that makes me wonder is it like specific to Mavros? Because it's like a gathering of all these people. Like if if Maeve was to go somewhere else, would she be received the same way? Or, you know, would there be a couple couple looky loos? Who mm. were not a fan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's always yeah. the f- fear in, like, at least for me, in, like, playing a tiefling, for example, going yeah, back to, like, the that's a great example. Of just, like, uh, am I going to have to, like, roleplay every single city being, like, uh, I have to hide. No one can see me. Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's fun no a few times. But then, then it's, like, yeah. Well, I think that the Cedar Masveros, especially around... uh you know the the mustering is is going to be more cosmopolitan because Madrovs himself accepts fighters and warriors from all races. Right. So you know the 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 clerics wouldn't have any necessarily racial biases. They certainly have class biases in that they would see you know fighters and clerics as being paladins for sure, mm. um, as being sort of the the best thing to be and they would be dismissive mm-hmm. of warlocks and sorcerers and and certainly yeah, wizards that's interesting. so but in terms of having the um you know the variety of races whether you have a, a, a ghoul fighter or a goblin paladin or a, a you know furbog ranger i think oh, they I would all be <laughs> the furbogs yeah oh yeah <laughs> Whether they would they would all be accepted temporarily. Now, whether that you know whether the individuals in the thing, because again, it's people gathered from across things, so there'd be lots of biases and lots of isolated types that would be coming to Mavros. And um, one of the things I wanted to include in that, well, we've we've touched on it, is the fact that there's going to be fighting all the time. Like there's just going to be people, you know, constant bar fights. It's going to be like the worst spring break. Ever, because everybody's <laughs> getting drunk, and there's no, there's no specifically no rules around that that particular aspect. So every other spring break, <laughs> <laughs> right? With swords, with axes. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> just weapons involved cool. and deadly yeah, yeah, spells. Yeah, cool, cool. yeah. Bye, mom. 
Go to spring break. <laughs> That's right. Take your axe, honey. Take the Mavros. Use the two-handed. Use the two-handed. <laughs> Make sure you enter your rage. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Talk about carrying protection. Literally. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> hey, we love jokes. <laughs> there you're right. You have many layers of conflict or at least dichotomy inside Mave. Like an onion. <laughs> like like an onion. Which is now sort of totally derailed the analogy I was gonna go through. But the, <laughs> I, the I love that fact that, yes, there is that human vampire side and those basic conflicts. There's the teenage thing, working out what adulthood looks like. And and there's also the fact that you are a warlock, which is, tends to be not a, a, a happy-go-lucky class, but you have the celestial side. Yes, my unicorn. Yes. So you have all sorts of things going on in and to give you that rich texture of Maeve. It's a lot of dualities. Oh, rich texture. I like that. Yeah, no, I I really love this character. I think she's going to grow into a force to be reckoned with on all accounts. All right. If she survives. <laughs> she lives. Yeah, there is like I've had some pretty hairy close calls, so like <laughs> something I do find um interesting about Maeve too is like how how her vampirism works in the world like like she has this predatory charm and I wonder I haven't discovered it yet but like I wonder how she feels about using it like I wonder if she feels good about using her her vampiric powers or if she you know would rather rely on on celestial magic I don't know it's it's that little racial thing where she's like, mm, I don't know if I want to be like this. Do you think she might feel like feel guilty or something? Yeah. If it wasn't called predatory charm, if it was called cuteness. Cuteness. I, yeah. Like what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, it's is. It's the predatory if, connotation yeah. that is kind of right. doing that for me. If it was just called being charming, then yeah. I think I think Babe would just use, like a, a, a teenager would use whatever she has. Or maybe it's even more innocent. Maybe she doesn't even realize I think she realizes. All right. I think Kevin, teenage girls are pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Smarter than teenage boys, for sure. Oh, yeah. Burn. Burn, boys. Soak it. <laughs> yeah, learn now. <laughs> yeah. That actually leads to a couple of related questions that we've gotten about Maeve. The first oh. one was, what would happen if she didn't get blood at all? Oh, I don't actually know. And that's another like little racial thing that I'm excited to discover. Um, like how, how does her vampirism affect her world? Um, I think like part of me believes that she does need it to some extent, but maybe that's part of her arc realizing that she doesn't. Like maybe it's just mm. a holdover from her past that she'll eventually come to lose. I'm not sure. Right. Because she grew up having blood regularly. She yeah, would have, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, but according to Cobalt Press, um, Dampier do not need blood to live. So I'm wondering for if for Maeve, it's just like a cultural thing that maybe she's been trained to believe that she does need it. Interesting. Ooh. Yeah, that's very interesting. 
I mean, another aspect of it that we could we could talk about or discover is maybe if she doesn't have blood, say, on a weekly basis, she starts to lose things like her predatory ah. charm. She doesn't need it to live, but she would need it to manifest some of her Dampier skills. That's interesting. Because then that would play into how much of her human side does she want to embrace versus how much of her vampire side. That's, hmm... Hmm. The moral quandaries <laughs> surrounding drinking blood. <laughs> That's right. Especially when you don't need it. You just want it. You just like you it. You just want it. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good. I don't need it. I can stop anytime I want. <laughs> I can stop yeah, whenever I just I want. don't want to. Semi-related. Well, not really related, except that it deals with Maeve. Is Maeve's <laughs> father a ruler? Um, Erasmus, the vampire? I assume that's yes. Yeah. That's who they're referring well, I to. I think so. He is and he isn't. Like I think he does answer to probably older, stronger vampires. Um, which is why Maeve following the rules is so important. But I also think that So he's like a duke, not a king. Yeah. Mm. I would say he's probably more of like a duke or like a lord, if you we want to. Get into labels. Um. <laughs> yes. We, we always want to get into labels. So does that mean that Maeve is a princess? I think she's noble, certainly. Yeah, I don't think... And, like, she, she lived a pretty cushy life in the keep. Like, you know, minus all of the monstrous, like, the blood eating and the torture <laughs> um, and the captives and everything, you know. But, like, she lived a pretty comfy <laughs> little <laughs> life. So I think she's definitely nobility. Um, but I think part of her her style is to, like, kind of reject that. Like, she does have that goth edge where she's... Like, uh, down with authority kind of thing. Um, mm. So I wonder if that's like another layer to her that she'll have to grapple with leaving behind or, or carrying forward into her life. And then final one, and then we'll, we'll jump to Chisk. Has she been with her elf? Been with? <laughs> been, like, been, uh, I don't been. think so. <laughs> like, like, been. They're kiss partners. The kiss partners. I think they might have. I don't actually think they've kissed. I don't think this relationship. Partners. It's it's so interesting because even me as a player, I don't know how Maeve. Like I don't know anything about Faradin. <laughs> like he just showed up in the keep as like a prisoner, and he and Maeve got close. And I think she kind of puts him on this pedestal of like he's my soulmate. When he could very well just be a guy. <laughs> right. He's just a guy. <laughs> He's a 16-year-old's soulmate. Yeah, exactly. The, what she's been thinking about. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. All the time. He probably, like, um, they probably confided in each other a lot. And so I feel like Maeve developed some sort of emotional attachment to him. And that's kind of where this is coming from, where she, like, in the first couple episodes where she's trying to find him so desperately because he's really been her only true friend. Right. If he, I don't know if he considers himself like the same uh, extent of relationship that she considers him, but I guess we will find out or not right. because Veridin's, uh best buddies with uh, Aramis now. So 
We might never see him again. <laughs> Very good. All right, Diego. Thanks. Thanks, Maeve. Thanks, Madeline. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk the basic thing about uh, uh, Chisk. What are you enjoying about the about the piney race? Or what have you discovered, good or bad, about the piney race that you find interesting? Uh... About the piney race, or I mean, have, I, have you I, yeah. not yet done? It? Like, I don't want to uh, imply one thing or the other. I just want right. to get a sense of what you think about the piney, or whether it's it's something you're still developing, or you know, I want to leave it as open ended as possible. I I haven't really discovered much about the piney race. I like there's uh, I I really like the kind of history that we've built uh, around like family and all that stuff. I I think that's really interesting. And excited to find out more and like play with that. But, um, out in the world, yeah, it's just like, it doesn't, so far, at least uh, again, at the seat of Mavros, it's like, uh, this like soup, uh, soup. <laughs> this is, it's like soup of different like cultures that all come together and hang out and no one really seems to be like weirded out by new like races mm-hmm. or anything. So it's, it's kind of different. Um, in, in that, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see like how people react in other places to, you know, a tree walking around right. the town in like armor and ready to fight, you know? Uh, and I think uh, my, just now, I would imagine that pineys are among the rarer races. Definitely. I, I feel the same way. They, it, it, it's all, they're probably pretty secluded. Yeah. Are they rare because they're, genuinely rare or are they rare because they don't come to like urban areas they kind of just keep to themselves yeah i mean the whole thing with the pineys is that they were well at least in the world we've built is that they came from the margrave which is this forest that kind of the magic has started to dissipate in is right am i right in saying that kevin uh yeah and I'm going by memory. Uh, I believe yeah, yeah. what's happened with Margrave is it's had chunks of it torn away and, and right. burnt down. So, yes, it's lessened its power from old Margrave, which was, you know, a big, huge, foreboding, mm. magical forest. But there is still elements of that for sure. There was some reason that you, your family ended up in one of the remnant forests. In the road guard. It, yes. it was because they were they were sent out to... You know, spread the seeds of the of the piney people like of the of the pinion. Yeah, kind of. Or or <laughs> like so- Johnny Appleseed, one of the two. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Choose your fighter. Um, but so my parents were sent out, and then they they are you know they start our our little family of three siblings. <laughs> now- my twin, my and my older brother. That's right. And we haven't really dug into that. We've we've talked more about Maeve's background. Or maybe Maeve's maybe it's just Maeve talking more about her background than I than, talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> than actually either yeah. either Chisk or Gideon. We don't know a lot about either of your families actually. Now that I think no, about it. No, we don't. Yeah. Not not yeah, we haven't talked about it much in the podcast. Like because I I feel like Chisk is he's such a curious person so he's always asking well it's hard because gideon's really clammy i know (laughs) absolutely does not share (laughs) and we've we've got a boatload of work in this town like there's always something happening 
So then, so <laughs> always, well, well, always. That's, that's sort of the the D and D aspect, right? If you if yeah. you set up an adventure, but the adventure is just sort of sitting around smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, it tends to <laughs> reduce the level of interest, especially with an audio podcast. It's just, yeah. Although we could definitely have an episode where you guys are, it's all like 2 a.m. in the bar. In fact, maybe one of our table talks should just be the the three characters sitting around, uh, sitting in a bar af- after some brutal thing, just talking about it. I feel like we could do that within the within the episode, too. Like, I don't... Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. It could be it could be an actual... It could be an actual... You bet. Let's, let's crank it in there. <laughs> let's get it in there. For sure. All right. So, related... Related. I mean, one of the interesting other things about pineys is, I yeah, I don't think their culture is as in as as present as the the Dampier, mm-hmm. especially because there is whole recognized nations now of vampires and undead and ghouls. So they would be more literally more represented because there's so many of them. So there's yeah. you know there is the blood bars you guys had the choice to go to, but mm-hmm. there wouldn't be necessarily the the Sap bars of yeah. for the pineys. No maple bars. <laughs> no, no maple, maple bars. bars. <laughs> Although that would get really confusing. Yeah. On the maple hole and then yeah, the maple <laughs> bar too. Oh. That's weird. We will actually that is that's I don't know if we want to keep this in the recording, but uh there is a a, a great sci-fi story. Can't think of the name of it, can't think of any but in the story itself, uh, the world has evolved where eating is something you do in private behind a stall. Mm. And defecating is the no. social activity. No. And it's just, that makes it, me not feel good. <laughs> I know, but that's totally a social thing, right? Like, it could totally be the other way. And so, I, yeah. what if pineys are that way? Oh. Wow. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh and, my god! And Chisk is so amazed that no one wants to talk about it, and he and Maeve and talk about my maple hole with me. <laughs> like, and Maeve doesn't want to do like, hey. doesn't want to share her time. <laughs> she wants to go off by herself. Hey guys, what are you doing this afternoon? You want to go defecate somewhere? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of grabbing a bite, let's grab. Yeah, that's right. Let's grab it. Let's grab. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. and oh my god. Babe's eating right in front of me. <laughs> I, can't, oh, I don't like the God. smell. The smell. Wow. These people, they're just eating here. <laughs> they're just eating they're out eating in the decency. open. <laughs> <laughs> they have all public places for this. Um, so that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Although it, it kind of reflects, you know, if you have a completely different race, it's kind of interesting, right? Like, I mean, not that actually we necessarily have to actually explore it on the <laughs> yeah, podcast. I don't think I want to. <laughs> <laughs> right. But with pineys, it would be the least offensive of defecation because it might be just like a couple of right. pine cones pop out, right? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> also, by the way, for anyone listening, this isn't like Kobold's Press. You know, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't lore. This is just, yeah, this can- isn't canon. <laughs> this is it's canon within our game. That <laughs> this is the Diaz Cast supplement that we'll be publishing. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason that just came up, and we're like, okay, we're sticking with it. Yeah, I guess this is just how it is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I think what you should at least choice. trademark 
Maple Hole, because that already has its own. Yeah. We're gonna sell T-shirts with like yeah. just like a a swirly Maple Hole. And a, <laughs> the Honestly, I would wear it. I would right? wear it. <laughs> uh, I I actually wrote a a uh, I don't know what you'd call it paper I guess in university from one of my philosophy classes based on the concept of if a lion could speak English you still wouldn't be able to understand what he's talking about. Because the concept is how a lion's brain works is just so completely different than a human brain that there yeah, would be no common ground. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it would be yeah. focused on hearing and scent and not on visual things and their customs, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et it's that idea of another race being so totally alien and developing things. And, and honestly, the piney you know, the uh, the piney aspect. Like, mm. we Im- impose a lot of human things on goblins and... and yeah. One of the, one of the characters uh, in one of my games, he actually hasn't got into it very much, but one of the things he had talked about when he was creating the character is he wanted to eat a little bit of all of his opponents after besting them because it was a celebration of that person's strength and bravery... Okay. And it was the idea of he would honor that person by carrying on some of that person inside himself. And if he didn't like the opponent, he wouldn't offer to eat them. Mm. And I was totally tickled by the idea. He he himself has not used it very much because everybody else reacted like, uh, no. Uh, uh. <laughs> but it's, it's that idea of totally alien customs. Right, mm-hmm. that makes the races as diverse as possible. Anyway, we're getting way off topic. No, not really. Like we are talking about, like you know, the, yeah, because I don't think we've investigated much of Chisk's, you know, culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but something something that I find really interesting about like D and D is that, like, at, at least for me, I find myself like you said, Maddie, like characters that are like still kind of close to like your personality because mm-hmm. i i find that playing something in D D specifically th- uh, this is totally separate from like my acting life too far away from from who i am is really tough to play yeah. in D because there are certain things you want to do um with improv or within the game that like you find yourself fighting against like the whole time you're playing and i feel like it takes the fun out of it for me yeah you know what i mean does that make any it feels sense? disingenuous i totally understand what you're saying like you're you're so focused on playing the character that mm. you lose a lot of that genuine yeah like spontaneity love. kind of uh, yeah. yeah and excitement about certain things not not always because yeah. it, it is kind of fun to like obviously play different than you and i'm not saying chisk is exactly like me uh, by any means but yeah it's just i don't know where i was going i'm rambling on now so <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a really up, nice man. sentiment though and it makes a lot of sense i think it rings true for a lot of people who do any sort of role playing really mm-hmm. yeah there is definitely there is that fine line about finding the elements of the character that's similar to your own and then using those as a way to keep the reactions of the character genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the the interesting thing, especially for some sort of performing, performing aspect like doing a podcast, is that it really is sort of that next level above just playing a ga- playing the game because what you're trying to do is... What? You're trying to demonstrate. You're trying to perform the story for 
a passive listener. So there is a more of an acting element than for people than if you're all sitting around the table each right. getting into it. So there is there is an acting element on top of it. But I think for even for those just playing at the uh, playing at the table, if your if your character has no elements of who you are or no elements at least of what you would like to explore or be or do, then I think there is yeah, there's always going to be a disconnect. And that yeah. that you know, obviously people can still function that way, but that takes away from your enjoyment as a player. Yeah. And again, that's a very sort of touchy topic. Like it could start to drift in all sorts of weird sort of psychoanalytical kinds of things we don't necessarily need to get into. Oh, God. I can <laughs> yeah, feel my not... imposter syndrome creeping <laughs> back up. <laughs> but the, but that idea is, you know, it's that I think maybe I talked about it on the, uh, on that Twitch episode we did. The idea of, reconnecting to basic storytelling some you know sort of the ancestral 20,000 year history of of storytelling that we've we've set aside in the last 50 years or last 100 years <clears throat> i think that that element is is really important as part of human connection and human communication mm -hmm. yeah so related questions around chisk was he born as a tree i think we covered this already but let's elaborate on that just a little bit. And again, I, I recognize that we're we're sort of we're layering on top of Cobalt Press's rules as written. <laughs> um, so yeah, his parents planted seeds on the ground, and from one of the seeds, two plants came to like were fl fl what's the term the fl fl your, your hand motions bloomed. aren't visible. But they, I know. No uh, but can see they are helping. <laughs> Maeve and I well, understand. Does it help you. if I do this? <laughs> um, bloomed. So two plants bloomed out of the seed. Um, and that's my twin, Rend. Rend is my twin. And so, yeah, he was born a plant and then blossomed and aged into a tree. He's also not that old. He's like, I think, early 20s. Is, is piney lifespan the same as human lifespan? Like, do you age at the same rate? I I think we age at the same rate. Uh, like, you become an adult at the same rate. But because trees can be really old, really that's my old. thinking. Like, yeah, I would think. Yes, uh, I don't know what I can't remember what Cobalt Press is written in the in the Margrave, but I would yeah. think pineys live a long time. Maybe they only have a certain period of active. Maybe they revert back to tree. After a couple hundred years or something. I mean, I, I I also imagine that regardless of whether, like, you know, because they're a tree, they they like trees get really old. But I I there's there's magic within them, right? Like there yeah. must be something like, you know, sylvan about them, or or something from like the 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 fae. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Within them, it, it seems it has like a lot of fae attributes to them don't they like yeah they, it absolutely. feels like that i wonder would it be interesting if they were like the early uh, uh stage of a treant yeah or like a, a variant on a treant like a treant is like a, a different race and pineys are part Ooh. of that same sort of branch but different like monkeys and people yeah 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 i was just thinking that <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, like in a, so in which different... one's the monkey in that example? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. If we're going to go walk down that road. 
Yeah. No, I think that's it's it's interesting question. And again, it comes back to that whole uh, concept of <laughs> yes, the very basic concepts. Although you know, obviously, when Chisk is walking down the street, that's not going to be the kind of stuff that uh, that is going to be occurring to him. I, I love the idea of Chisk being very sheltered for the first 20 years of his life. So his mm. learning is focused less on book learning and more on experiences. Yeah, totally. And people and, you know, getting to know customs and, and things like, yeah. why do you drink blood? What? Like... <laughs> Yeah, that was something I really appreciated. Chisk was not outwardly, like, condemning Maeve for her interest in drinking blood. He was just mm. genuinely curious, which is, I don't know, really wholesome. Very tentative, but to drink it himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't didn't want any part of that, mm. but will happily learn. <laughs> no, I think you tried I, it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, I took a sip and was like, this is not for me. <laughs> um, but Griffin, Griffin asked... Chisk question because in that episode when he was like, "Oh, you drink blood," and was like taking it back. Gideon was like, "Oh, what do you do? You eat plants?" And Chisk was like, "Oh, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess it's kind of similar, isn't it?" <laughs> like, <laughs> damn, you got me. <laughs> oh shit! I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Is is Chisk a vegetarian, or is that a, a abhorrent idea to to the plant <laughs> I, I think we established that he does like eat mostly plants yeah he doesn't we had that little traumatic food. baby carrot episode <laughs> which was the best moment of the podcast in my opinion oh my god the little carrot <laughs> yeah no no i i love that idea especially when you've tied it in with the knowledge cleric that whole sense of discovery i yeah it was the only it was what made most sense to me Right. No, no. I mean, as Diego, that, that's the one that meant the most sense to you. But I, I'd like the idea of Chisk sort of naturally gravitating to that, the, the god, of, the god of discovery, knowledge and things. Although mm -hmm. I imagine Thoth is usually seen as like book learning and, and totally. that kind of stuff. And the fact that Chisk doesn't read at all is so great. <laughs> Initially, I thought that was going to end up being a problem, but it, I don't think so. No, I don't. I mean, there are other people in the party who read. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't have to learn. Someone um, else can do it. And the the uh, this is something that I don't know if I told you, Kevin, but I was thinking back and was like, how did he? How did he read the the spell script if he can't read? But magic, you know, you can just like the words were on the page, little symbols and things, and they just like flowed out of him. That that was the whole idea behind him not not being able to read because they're the, I mean Pineys wouldn't have like scripts you know paper that because that'd be bad. Um, <laughs> we can eat plants, <laughs> but we draw the line at paper. we draw the line at killing each other for writing purposes. Um, <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair because eating plants is to live. Writing is just a convenience. Yeah, yeah. and it's that store of knowledge. Especially if they are long-lived. You could see them all sort of sitting in a grove and the older pineys just like through the wind passing, you know, the whispers and things passing on to the... Who knows? Maybe it's like motion of the leaves or maybe it's all sorts of non-verbal communication kinds of things. Mm. Although I don't... I mean, I, I, specifically with Chesk, like I don't think... He doesn't know many other pineys. He just knows his family, right? Because they were sent out. Yeah. 
and his whole life has been around these taking care of the road guard forest around him. No, I I like the idea because I mean, obviously, all three characters are somewhat separate from the conventions of their race. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be adventuring. There is that mm-hmm. kind of loner aspect. Uh, Maves is very obvious in terms of her rebellion and in terms of her being distinctive or separate from other warlocks. I like that idea. I mean, you know, we haven't gotten involved with this with Gideon, but he would be different than most bear folk. You know, the fact that he is a, a panda bear as opposed mm-hmm. to a grizzly bear is probably, is probably mostly grizzly bear folk. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's, yeah. One thing to know about panda bears is that they're deeply, deeply anxious bears. So Really? Yeah, they're so they have such a hard time. That's why they're endangered. They're too anxious to mate. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm dear. not kidding. That's so pure. <laughs> oh my god. There's your next t-shirt right there. Too anxious to mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just two panda bears like side eyeing each other, just, like try to be approached. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's too oh dear. Yeah. Eating some bamboo, like that bamboo. Somebody write this down. We got, we got ideas. Yeah, this is gold. Kevin, I have a question for you. Okay, you bet. Uh, who's been your favorite NPC so far? Hmm. Let's see. The ones that stand out. Well, uh, Top three. If you yeah. don't say Big Willard, Griffin will cry. So. <laughs> <laughs> Big Willard is definitely, uh, you know, it, it, this is always the way. It's sort of a throwaway character becomes like a major character just because he <laughs> likes interacting with people. I, mm. I really like, I, I'm quite enjoying all of them. I think the one that I enjoy the most is Hannah. Ooh, mm. not Henta. Uh, no, Henta sucks. <laughs> Henta, I, they're both complex characters, but I think Henta has more insecurities and things around her. I think yeah. Hannah yeah, is yeah, yeah. fully in her own inner groove. And, you know, being a druid and being part of the sort of poly family, I think that she's got the... Um, yeah, I think there's many of them that will pop up again as we sort of, as we continue. Big Willie, Big Willard is obviously, um, yeah, he, he's great. I wonder yeah, when well, Fester mm-hmm. Heath is going to come back and be like, yo, what the fuck? You guys were at my place? Oh, actually, <laughs> you know what? My, my second favorite is the is the um, the laughing guy, oh. the market. The market <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Marketing What's person. his name? Hakan. Hakan. Yes. He's yeah. too much. He's so <laughs> he's good. He's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's so uh, and he's he's lifted pretty verbatim from the the cat and mouse module. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. So the I mean, obviously, there's there are certain Kevinisms added into him, but there is <laughs> the laughter. there is <laughs> the, the laughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just sort of broadening that question. One of the joys about doing the DM is the ability to create these characters that become memorable to the players and hopefully the listeners, and that you can mm. keep having them pop up and, you know, the episodic nature of, of D&D coupled with that concept of you never know a person fully allows you to really exploit that aspect. And a person that you thought was bad turns out to be good or misunderstood or, or forced to be doing something. Whereas someone that you had trusted, if they betray you or there's nuances or additional layers, then 
it it adds so much depth and and I think again sort of not to sound biased but sort of human condition to the story. Yeah. And and it gives the players a more nuanced reaction. Like if, you know, I mean obviously most of the characters are going to be very very stereotypical surface but people can pick up on a barmaid or a bartender or a shopkeeper that you didn't think anything of and all of a sudden the characters just happen to grow really connected to that particular shopkeeper mm. and that ends up being an ongoing character and then it turns out later that they are a polymorphed dragon or a reformed demon or you know there's all these oh, different God. different things that <laughs> Diego that... write this down <laughs> <laughs> okay everyone yeah and I recognize that even as I'm talking <laughs> the oh, two no. players are like oh I have to pay really have to pay more attention to Big Willard oh I have to I have, yeah. don't trust it, him <laughs> I mean we don't that's the thing yeah. about recording this when it hasn't been released is like do we how much do we say about that you know well you don't it, it by the time this one is released you guys will have had a few more interactions with Big Willard so right but not he <laughs> so yeah that that'll be yeah let's we're we're getting a little too meta there as we're figuring yeah, out yeah. Right? because we don't actually even know uh, uh this is one uh people had asked me why i'm using the kobold press material um part of it obviously was the fact that we had initial conversations with them and they were very supportive getting us some material to get us started one of the reasons we even approached them in the first place was because they had created a whole alternative world that is separate from Faerun and, and wizards, all the, you know, wizards of the coast, coast stuff. But the, the original concept I had around uh, the campaign was this idea of this post apocalyptic world or sort of post war world. And when we, when I came across the sort of waste, the Western wastes that, that our current adventure is, our campaign is set in, I really liked the idea of this, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a scrabble, scramble to live. There's people adapting. There's lots of, you know, blasted areas. And the fact that these great old ones are still slowly wandering around the landscape is very appealing because it, it effectively means that you cannot develop too much, like civilization just can't go back to sort of the, the hobbit land of, you know, mm. sunflowers and pumpkins. <laughs> so specific. Well, I, so I, specific. I loved that there was a final scene. It, I, I, it's in the books for sure. I'm sure it's in the movies where after the hobbits go through their massive adventures and, and trauma and terror, they go back to their little hobbit village and none of the hobbits have known any of the stuff that's gone on. So these guys oh. are are like shell-shocked and, and aged and mature and they go back to their little village and it's all still, you know, drinking ale and talking about pies so and they have that sort of shell shock idea of of you know soldiers adjusting to life in society and the idea of the world uh, of midgard of the wasted west being this place where people have to live in the sort of remnants of the world remnants of war makes it well, it's actually, there's lots of different elements around that, if I think about it. I mean, part of the reason everyone's accepting is that there are so few people in a relative way. So it becomes mm -hmm. more about everyone's getting together because there's 
fewer of everybody. Mm. And again, obviously, there's there's other organizations and other villages and different things out there in the wasted west. We haven't gotten into any of those to those things yet, but it you know there will always be that kind of frontier feeling because it is that idea of you know there's lots of serious dangers out there, so people connect if they can find a way to connect. Uh, oh, and then just to quickly summarize with, with the cobalt pressed. Uh, uh, one of the things I really liked about the Cobalt Press was, well, the three key things were, number one, that the setting was quite cohesive and developed and completely separate from what I had experience with, which was either my own homebrew stuff or the Wizards of the Coast, Faroon, you know, Sword Coast, all that kind of stuff. Secondly, was the fact that there was new races and some new classes. And the third thing, I guess actually the very first thing was the fact that they have such a wide range of new creatures to encounter. So what I love about that aspect is that experienced D&D players, unless they know, you know, the Tome of Beasts or the Creature Codex, codex and things, are confronted with things like the, the Doppler Rat and have no idea, as opposed to running into an ogre or, a, you know, or a beholder or something where yeah. that people will say, Oh, I know you should do this or don't do this or don't look them in the eye or, you know, there's all those things that the players can't help but have their characters know because they know it. Whereas with this, because it's so strange, because it's so out of the ordinary, I think there's a lot of, uh, it recreates or, or, or regenerates that feeling of trepidation. I, I have, I've, I obviously haven't looked at the, the, I guess, I don't know what it's called, but the monster manual for Cobalt Press. But it seems that there's a lot of stuff that they've homebrewed. Would it, is that called homebrewed? Because even though they're like a large, it's not like your own kind of, anyway, Corp you know brood. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of that stuff. Like, is that the? Uh, oh, yeah. Like the, the, the tomb, Tome of Beasts, uh, I think is like a 400 page book. With, like, all their own stuff? Yeah. All Mostly. different. Yeah. And some are variations on ghouls or variations on dragons or whatever. Right. But some of them the things are completely unknown and completely, you know, different shapes and things. Now, obviously, okay. having said that, there's a ton of monsters in the various Wizards of the Coast material that, we've, that would be unusual or unknown. And, of course... As a DM, I will also tend to like sometimes tweak a monster or reskin mm -hmm. a monster in a way so that people aren't automatically, uh, you know, countering. Oh, that. I know. Yeah, I know their vulnerabilities or whatever. Yeah. So that that aspect, uh, uh, but uh, you know, there is there's definitely um, creatures. Let's say monsters, creatures in the Cobalt Press material that actually inspire, you know, encounters or inspire interactions and things. That's that's the quick answer to that. All right. That sort of addresses a lot, or not a lot, but at least some of the questions that I've had, things that I've heard from people. Is there anything else you guys would like to add sort of based on the you know, the reflecting and, and the, what we've we've talked about? Not really. I just want to say thanks to everybody who who does listen. Like that rules. We're playing our silly little dice game and it's so much fun and it's really nice to have you know people participating in that with us so thanks everybody thanks everyone right what i uh have been talking about what i well what we will talk about tomorrow but what i think we'll do is we will set up a public discord chat so that people can sign up for that sign into that and 
We will have uh, uh, people posting questions. We'll have a couple of different channels. And then uh, all of us will check in every once in a while and respond to questions and respond to comments. Um, and we'll, we'll sort of continue to build the interaction that way. And who knows, that might become uh, the source for future table talks or mm. additional things we're going to do down the road. So if you are uh, new to the Diaz cast, feel free to uh, continue to listen to all the other previous episodes as we build up to this. Obviously, we'd like you to like us on Facebook and all the other social medias. Please like us in iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or wherever you're listening for us. Give us a, a review and mm. uh, look for us, Diazcast, on Discord. We'll be uh, look forward to hearing from you. So on behalf, nice. so, uh, on on uh, on behalf, <laughs> blank for a minute on the actual word there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I saw that happen too. Like <laughs> you, listeners, you couldn't see that, but the cogs were turning. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> vacant. This is what this is what DM DMing with Kevin in about ten years is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> Just shell shocked stare. <laughs> uh, um, on behalf of. Everyone here at the Dias Cast, I like you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, feel free to follow us, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next week.